0: There is a truth in preaching law. So I need to disclose to you that what you're about to hear is a stewardship sermon. (laughs) You've heard of the Sermon on the Mount. Well, this is a sermon on the amount. (laughs) The topic of stewardship and giving is not an easy one to speak on because it makes people feel very uncomfortable. So be fully warned. But I can promise you it will be under 50 minutes. So let's get started. Can you think of words that you don't have to teach your children? There are a number of them, but somehow from somewhere, children seem to automatically learn the word man. This relentless declaration of mine, it's built into the brokenness of our humanity. So much so that one person developed the toddler's creed. I don't know if you've heard it, but I'm going to share it with you. One, if I like it, it's mine. (laughs) Two, if it's by my hand, it's mine. Three, if I can take it from you, it's mine. Four, if I had it a while ago, it's mine. Five, if it's mine, it must never appear in any way to be yours. Six, if I'm doing or building anything, all the pieces are mine. Seven, if it looks like mine, it's mine. Eight, if I saw it first, it's mine. Nine, if you're playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. And finally, number ten, if it's broken, it's yours. (laughs) Do you know what the problem is with the toddler's creed? It fundamentally does not go away when you grow from a child to a teenager and from a teenager into an adult. The issue of mind, I mean, it is still embedded in all of our hearts. We're still all dealing with some degree of mind. Now, Psalm 24 begins, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. And I think that's why our... Stewardship Odyssey. That's an especially appropriate title for this year's season of stewardship because it's quite an odyssey. It's quite a journey from its all man to its all gods. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity writes, every faculty you have, your power of thinking or moving your limbs from moment to moment is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not, in a sense, his own already. See, it's a biblical truth that God owns everything. That giving is only returning what's rightfully his. I want you to consider this I think it's an unforgettable story. A father and a son, they're traveling along the the freeway. And the boy says, I'm hungry. Can we stop for a snack? Well, his dad sees the golden arches ahead and he pulls off the road. And the boy, they go in, the boy sits at the table in the restaurant and his father comes to the counter and then he returns with his full hot bag of crispy french fries and the boy's face it really brightens with delight because he's hungry and the father he sets the fries before the boy and he takes his seat opposite him i mean he loves his son and he loves to watch him eat so heartily well the two sit at the table together while the boy just munches away at his snack and then the dad does what all dads would do. He reaches over and he takes a french fry for himself. And the little boy snaps at his father, Dad, those are mine. Get your own. Well, the dad thinks about this incident on the long, silent drive home. I gave my son every fry he had. And all I wanted was One. My son doesn't understand something. He doesn't know I could take all those fries away from him in an instant. Or, if I felt it best for him, I could add to those fries so abundantly that he'd be overwhelmed by them. He thinks they're his. How did he forget who bought them? Who brought them to him? Well, I think it's a compelling story for any parent in this room because... We have all had our hands slapped away from our child's plate when we reach for a bite. Our kids have acted selfishly and we're blind to our loving provision. But the point is made. God has given us our resources, our money. And when he asked for a tithe, many of us figuratively slap his hand away and say, hands off my money. I think King David's prayer brings us back to the basic truth. All things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. Stewardship. It's a theme that you can trace from Genesis to Revelation. It's a calling rooted in creation, highlighted throughout the Bible, and influences the way you live your life for the glory of God. Now, if you were here last week, you know the goal this year for All Saints is to develop a more robust stewardship culture. Well, I take that to mean a, creating a culture that's going to guide us into a deeper relationship with God and into a deeper pattern of stewardship. But before we can develop a more robust culture of stewardship, I think it's first necessary to answer this question. And that is, what is currently forming us? What is the thing that is really shaping and forming our hearts and minds? Well, judging from the evidence before us, to me it's rather obvious what's really shaping the life of Christians today. Is one, popular culture, two, the various media and various ideological commitments, and three, social media. And So what that means is that on this stewardship odyssey we're going to face some pretty serious obstacles that are getting in the way of our reaching this goal of a more robust culture of stewardship. Income alone should never determine our lifestyle. Even if we have all the money that we can do anything we wish, the choices we make should depend not only on how much we make and what our family needs, but also on the way we view the world and our responsibility as God's stewards. As we attempt to live as Christian disciples, as Christian stewards, we find that our dominant secular culture oftentimes contradicts our religious convictions about the meaning of our life. Our culture, it encourages us to focus on ourselves, on our pleasures. Our consumer-driven society tells us we're never going to have enough. They'll always have to buy more, we'll always have to do more, we'll always have to be more. Because, see, we live in a society of acquisition. Advertising is geared to encourage us to desire a better lifestyle, to aspire to a higher standard of living. See, according to society, we should acquire as many expensive possessions as possible because these things are evidence of a successful, important person. And far too many people find themselves in debt because they've been swept up in this frenzy of accumulation. In our consumerist culture, it's difficult really to distinguish between our needs and our wants and our desires. Our culture says the more money we have, the happier we'll be. So if we give away our money, we fear we won't have enough for ourselves. Christian stewardship, it's countercultural. It's been called the antidote to materialism. At times, you see, we can find it far too easy to ignore spiritual realities. And deny scripture in taking a role in shaping our values and our society. Because, see, I want to tell you what is clearly not forming the life of the church in America today, not is the Word of God. And the reason why the Word of God is not forming us is it's not difficult to know. It's because a large number of American Christians. They simply don't read it on any regular basis. Let me give you two data points. According to the annual State of the Bible survey conducted last year by the highly respected American Bible Society, only 9% of Christians indicated that they read their Bible daily. 9%. Now, even if that number is wildly wrong and the real number is 19% or 29% or 39% or 49%, it's still a disaster. Data point number two, according to a study conducted by the highly respected Pew Research Center, only 45% of American Christians we're able to name all four Gospels. Now, can we draw the conclusion? If they can't name them, they probably haven't read them. In the preface to the 1549 Book of Common Prayer, Archbishop Thomas Cramner offered a reason for the plan that he devised for reading the Bible over the course of a year in every parish church. A plan that we know today as the daily office, morning and evening prayer. Here's the reason. He said that people would continuously profit more and more in the knowledge of God and be more inflamed with the love of true religion. See, the reading of Holy Scripture benefits us because it constantly challenges us, constantly calls our lives into question and constantly asks us those very difficult and probing questions like who are you? What are you really doing? What really is the purpose of your life? Although God gives us all things to richly enjoy nothing is ours. Nothing really belongs to us. God owns everything but we have been entrusted to use it responsibly, and we are responsible for how we treat it and what we do with it. So, as Christians, on a stewardship odyssey, we have to come to terms with some basic questions. How many luxuries can we enjoy without endangering our spiritual health? How many wants can we indulge when there are so many in need? In a world of limited resources, how many resources may we expend simply for our own pleasure? Well, in answering these questions, think of what you might be missing by not going to the one place that God has promised to speak to you, His Word. Think about the wisdom you might not get. Think about the guidance you might not receive. Think about the vision, the grace, the peace you might be getting by allowing God to speak to you. Now as Christians, we believe that God gives each of us enough. That is exactly what we need to fulfill His plan for us. Collectively, too, we know that we've been given enough if we share with one another. No matter how small or how limited our gifts seem, if we share them, God will make what we offer enough, just as Jesus did when he took the few loaves and fishes and made it enough to feed the multitudes. It's a truth, though, that while they're in our possession, we have the choice to use God's resources any way we want we can invest them all in ourselves and use them for things that only matter to us but God is trusting us to do much more than that as stewards see our challenge is to invest and use God's resources in ways that advance his kingdom and that provide for the needs of others stewardship is part of discipleship Therefore, it's, I think, important to examine one of the foundational principles of practicing biblical stewardship, and that's trust. You know, you trust or you distrust somebody by getting to really know them. And I think we trust or mistrust God by really getting to know Him. And the way we primarily we really get to know Him is through His Word. And the more we read and the more we study and the more we meditate on his word, the more we're going to learn about how much he loves us, how much he sacrifices for us, his generosity towards us, and the more we're going to trust him and the deeper relationship we're going to have with him. But trust, see, that's one of the most difficult aspects of stewardship to exercise. I mean, for a lot of people, it's easier to trust God for their eternal salvation than to trust Him for their daily living. Because when it comes to practical things like putting food on the table, making the mortgage payments, many operate like they're on their own. And the result of our inability to trust God is fear. And this actually causes people to stockpile they while assets beyond reason. Paul, in writing his first letter to Timothy, says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us all things to enjoy. So even though our culture tempts us to believe that accumulation brings happiness, As Christians, we need to focus on trusting God. He has much to give us, a far greater value than anything we might purchase or accumulate. So the Bible's clear. Everything belongs to God. He entrusts some things to us, and we have the responsibility to manage them on his behalf. Now, as I said at the very beginning, this is the Sermon on the Amount. We wrestle with that question most of our lives. How much is enough? Throughout Scripture, we're encouraged to give the first part of our resources to God as an expression of our honor and our gratitude. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the firstfruits of all your produce. In other words, we're supposed to give God the first part of all we earn, not the leftovers. Now, if you search for the word tithe or tithing in the Bible, you'll find about 14 scriptures that mention it. It really depends on which version you're using. So the question is, does God really require us to give a tithe of all we earn? Well, I believe that tithing is intended to train people to trust God, to break our greed and selfishness out of our lives. Tithing is a way to honor Him as your provider and remind yourself that all your resources belong to Him and are provided to you through His grace. And as you give away that first 10% of your income, you actually set your course to honor God the way you handle the rest of your resources. Now, as often as tithing is talked about, unfortunately, only about 10 to 25% of a normal congregation regularly tithe. And of families that make 75000 Plus, only 1% donate a tithe of their income. God desires us to be truly generous. I don't think he wants to bind us to any particular formula or any number. I mean, I believe in tithing. Gretchen and I have tithed all of our married life. I like to think of tithing It's the training wheels of giving. It's just the starting point. But the fact is that it really is not how much the amount you give. It's how we give which is of utmost importance. As with everything, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Your motives for giving that. Is what is important to God. So if you're giving to impress people, you're wasting your time. If you're giving because you're being pressured or coerced to give, you're missing it. 2 Corinthians 9-7 makes it as clear as day. Every man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. A steward's heart is a thankful heart. I mean, you can give without being thankful, but you can't be thankful without giving. Look again at 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Again, it specifically says we should not give out of compulsion. However, it doesn't say that if we aren't cheerful about it, we shouldn't give. Just says God loves it when we are. See, one of my favorite things about being a Christian on a stewardship odyssey is the joy experienced when you manage God's resources, God's ways. It makes the Christian life so exciting, being a part of an amazing Odyssey that God's leading us on when we obey his voice, because when you do. You really get to see God do the miraculous. And now to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the all just do ascribe might, dominion, power, and majesty, world without end. Amen. Amen.